Thank you for listening to this podcast presented by Compassion Church. For more information on service times and location, please visit CompassionDanville.com. Now, let's enjoy this week's message. Today, I want to talk to you from a message I'm calling Encountering Change. Encountering Change. Um, Let me start by just asking you a question. When you look at your life right now, like if you could pull back from the outside and look at your life, um, what is it? What is it that you would say is the one thing that you're completely passionate about? Let me ask it a different way. What would the people in your life say that you're completely passionate about? Like you might say something, say, oh yeah, I always good things. What would your wife say? What would your husband say? What would your kids say? What would your coworkers say that you're completely passionate about? Are you, are you passionate about your work? Like that's one thing that lots of people are passionate about. But what I really find is people aren't so much passionate about their work as they're passionate about making money, right? Right. Are you passionate about making money and that consumes all of your time? Are you passionate about your kids, right? You can, you can just decide, man, I love my kids and I'm going to pour my life into them and I didn't have this. So I'm going to make sure they do. Or maybe you like me, get a little gray in the beard, right? Can't do some of the stuff that you used to do. What do we do, man? We start living vicariously through our kids. So we can't play football anymore. We can't play basketball anymore, but we'll sure push our kids to do all of it. And we put all of our energy into that. Are you, are you consumed by your hobbies or by having fun, right? Lots of people are, man, let me get the four wheeler. Let me get the boat. Let me get the motorcycle. Let me, let me, let me go on this adventure. Let me do the thing. What's the one thing that you're completely passionate about? You know, what's interesting about that question this isn't in your outline. It's not on the screen. But Jesus said in Matthew 6, 33, seek first. Everybody say first. first. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. What's he saying? He's saying if you seek after following Jesus and the plan that he has for your life. And some of y'all are so misguided on this thing, man. You think following Jesus means, oh, I got to go to church every Sunday. No. When Jesus says, seek first after me, he's saying, I'm going to set a fire down in your heart and you're going to see what that looks like this morning, but I'm going to set a fire in your heart that's going to cause you to get into the adventure that God created you for. When you do that, guess what God's going to provide? He will provide all of the financial resources that you need to do the thing. God's going to give you adventure. You want experiences, you want fun. God will put you in adventures that will bring your life alive. God's going to give you all of the things that you're looking for in the world, but you're not finding it out there. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So today I want to go to Acts chapter nine, and we're going to meet a man that you know of, but in Acts chapter nine, we're going to meet a man whose name is Saul. And we know him now as the apostle Paul, but before he got to be Paul, he was Saul, right? And so this Saul that we're going to meet in Acts nine was very passionate about his Jewish religion. He was a Jew of the top order, like like he was one of the big dogs in his religious circles and spent his whole life learning the law of Moses. And and there was almost like this this police type work that the, the Jewish leaders would do. And so he would make sure people were living right. And anybody that wasn't living by the law of Moses, man, he would he would tighten them up. And so we're gonna see um, where he was pointed. So this morning, 
This is not just a history story about Paul. I want you to see how Saul, who became Paul, how his story can relate to your life. So here's my first question to you. I have three questions for you this morning. And the first question is this. Could your passion be pointed in the wrong direction? When you think about what it is that you're passionate about, could your passion be pointed in the wrong direction? And while you're chewing on that a minute, God brought you here for this message. God brought you here to hear this. And he may want to make some changes. You got to be willing to allow God to change things that he wants to change. Could your passion be pointed in the wrong direction? Go to Acts chapter nine, starting at verse one. It says, meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. Here's what's happening. Saul is one of the uh, up and coming Jewish leaders and there's a high priest and the high priest and Saul know that this Jesus has shown up and caused all kinds of issues in the church, what they would have known as the church. And so, so people, people had heard of Jesus. Jesus had been crucified, died, placed in the tomb, resurrected, ascended back. And now the Holy Spirit had come. And now Peter and Matthew and Mark and John and all of these guys were going places. They were telling people about Jesus and Jews were hearing the message about Jesus and their eyes were being opened and they were beginning to believe. And so they were showing up in this Jewish synagogue. Paul, Saul starts hearing these things and he gets a, a band of his men together and he says, high priest, give us the letters. And, and based on your letters, we'll go and we'll round them up. What do you have to know about Saul? This was not a good man. He was very diligent in his faith, but he was the man who gave the orders for Stephen, one of the, one of the disciples, to be stoned. And he, the scripture says that he stood there and held the coats of the men who stoned Stephen, killed him, threw stones at him and killed him. And so he's very passionate about what he's doing, but his passion was pointed in the wrong direction. Now change gears with me just a minute. Let me ask you this. You ever, you ever catch yourself saying, I don't have enough time. Anybody ever have that thought, man, I just, I don't have enough time. Well, truth of it is none of us have a time problem. We all have the same amount of time. We, we get 24 hours in a day, right? There's 168 hours in the week and we get to choose where we're going to invest in our time. Now, if you want to invest in eating Cheerios all day, right? And staying around about 11 o'clock, it's, it's going to be a problem, but we don't have a time problem. We have a priority problem. Um, if you're passionate about your rest, and you want to sleep 10 hours a day and you want to play video games and smoke weed all day, there's a chance that you're not going to make a whole lot of pro progress in this life. In the same way, if you are so focused on money and you decide, man, I'm, I'm done with that life. I'm going to, I'm going to hustle, man. I'm going to be about my grind, right? I'm going to be out there and I'm going to work 20 hours a day and, and I'm going to drink all the Red Bull I can get and I'm going to drink caffeine and I'm just going to be hustling. I'm getting mine. And you end up making $200 million this year. If you look back over that $200 million, let me ask you a question. Are you satisfied? Some of y'all are like, yep, sure would like to try it. Like to see how that would feel. You can be just as empty on either side of that equation. Here's my question. Could your passion be pointed in the wrong direction? Follow up to that question. Um, maybe you're chasing after things and maybe you're actually getting what you're chasing after. But is what you're getting from all of your chasing 
bringing you joy? Is what you're getting from all of your chasing bringing you joy? Saul was chasing after persecuting Christians and he thought that that was the right thing. We're chasing after lots of things in our life. You know what Jesus said? He said, if you'll follow after me, guess what I'll give you? I will give you an abundant life. And, and, and so when you chase after Jesus and he starts to give you that abundant life, he puts the Holy Spirit down inside of you. And the word says that when, when we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us, guess what he produces? He produces things like love. You know, I saw that. Um, I saw that um, lots of times recently, but that love, man, I look at, I look at, I look at our house when the kids are there and the grandkids and old Paul sitting back in his recliner. Come on, somebody. I didn't know I was Paul Paul, right? Watching those kids playing and the table's full of food and there's laughter and the kids, there's love. God says, I'll give you love. I'll give you joy. I'll give you peace. I'll give you patience. Is chasing after all of those things giving you love and joy and peace or is it giving you more problems, more money? You know it, you know it. So that's the first question. Could your passion be pointed in the wrong direction? Second question, could Jesus love you enough to knock you out? Hmm. Let's go to the word before we answer that. Acts nine verses three through six. It says, as he saw near Damascus on his journey. So he's going to round up these followers of the way, these new Christians. Jesus says, no, you're not. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. Now y'all get the image of Jesus as the lamb, right? Or Jesus as meek and mild and, and sweet Jesus has got the lamb wrapped around his shoulders, right? You, we all get that picture. What about the Jesus that's the lion? What about the Jesus that you don't want to hear him roar? Well, well Saul's about to meet him because he's done been knocking on the wrong doors. It says, the light flashed around him in verse four. He fell to the ground and he heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul. Why do you persecute me? Brother's taking a step back real quick. He says, uh, who, who are you, Lord? Saul asked, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. He replied, now get up, go into the city and you will be told what you must do. Saul was very passionate about what he was doing, but Jesus showed up in Saul's life and he knocked him on his butt. You say, man, I didn't know God would do that kind of thing. Well, why, why would he do that? Because he wanted to accomplish two things. Number one, he wanted to get Saul's attention. Number two, he desperately wanted to change his direction. Why is that? Same reason he wants to do it with you. There's some of you right now who are in a season of being knocked on your butt. There's some of you that God's about to knock on your butt. And the reason why is he loves you enough to put you on your butt so that he can get your attention and turn your direction. Why would he do that? Because there's a story that's been written on your life. And it's time for you to step into the story that's written on your life, but you won't get there when you're out in the woods chasing after shiny things. You gotta be on the path. You gotta be about your father's business. That's what he's saying. So let me ask you this. If God was willing to knock Saul on his butt, could it not be that he would do the same thing for you? Yes, it could. Um, and by the way, throw this in for free. Know this. God loves you enough to bring some temporary pain into your life to bring about eternal joy and eternal fruit. So 
I meet people every week, man, who tell me stories of, of being knocked on their butts by life circumstances. Every week I meet people who tell me these stories. And, and there's one group of people who've been knocked on their butt by the circumstances of life. And man, you ever met somebody that was thick-headed, huh? Everybody met anybody hard-headed? Not, God has knocked them on their butt because of their life choices. And they've just decided, well, I can take it. This is who I am. This is what I'm doing. I am not changing. The rest of the world will have to change. And they stay stuck in that place. And day after day, month after month, year after year, decade after decade, their hard-headedness and stubbornness, Bible refers to them as stiff-necked people, it keeps them in a place where they're opposed to God. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. But when a person, you say, well, that person doesn't say there's no God. Wait a minute, might not have said it with their mouth. But when God is saying, I want to lead you in this direction. And this person says, no, I'm not going in that direction. I'm not changing. This is who I am. This is what I want to do. I'm going to do it my way. Well, go on, Frank Sinatra, Elvis, get you some of that my way stuff. See how long you stay there. God says it's time to change. And they say, no, there's another group of people though. It don't take but one time. For God to knock that person on their butt and man, Tweety Birds and stars are spinning around their head. And they're like, what, whoa, 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 what happened here? I don't like being here. This is not me. There's more to me than this. God, what do you want me to do? And that person gets up and says, I'm done with that. I don't like being knocked on my butt. I don't like being opposed to God. I'm not going to be the fool that says in their heart, there's no God. I'm going to follow God and I'm going to make whatever changes God has called me to make. That's what's happening with Saul. He got knocked on his butt, but he got up and he began hearing the voice of Jesus and he began following what Jesus called him to do. Leads me to my third question for you today. Could you really change? You say, Jeff, I'm too old to change, man. This is just who I am. No, it's not. It isn't. If, you, if you're still fogging up a mirror when you breathe into it, there is still time for you to change. There is still time for you to do what God has called you to do. And the truth of it is, there's probably people in your life that are waiting on you to make the changes that you need to make to be the godly man, the godly woman that you need to be and change your, your life, your family, your, your, your circle. When Saul got up and went into the city, like he was told, Jesus told him, get up and go into Damascus and wait and then God calls this man named Ananias and he says, Ananias, I want you to go to Damascus and you're going to meet a man there. His name is Saul. Ananias like, wait a minute. We ain't talking about the same Saul. Yes. You, Lord, Lord, you know he has killed Christians and per he does not like us. God says, I know. And then God tells Ananias, listen, it's going to be okay. I've actually chosen him to be the instrument that I'm going to use to take the message of the gospel, the good news of Jesus to the Gentiles. Don't be afraid. What is it that God's telling you to do that doesn't make one lick of sense? What is it that God's telling you to do that you're so afraid of doing because of what you see with your eyes? And God's saying, I got this, step on into it. There is something, I don't know why God keeps bringing this off the page to me, but there's somebody here who God is saying, I've told you clearly what to do. You're holding up progress. Step into it. I've told you, you've got it. And if you don't, I'm going to remove you and I'll put somebody else in and they will do it. We don't play with that. Saul got up and went to the city like he was told. Ananias came to him. What Ananias did not know at that point was that this man that we called Saul 
was about to have his name changed to Paul and the Christians that he had been persecuting, he was about to become one of them. Can he change? Well, go to Acts 9, verses 17 through 19. We'll skip ahead a little bit in the story. It says, then Ananias went to the house and entered it. <laughs> Can y'all picture that? Ananias going to this house. Like, oh, I'm not sure I want to go in. God says, go in. Ananias like, hello, anybody home? Brother looking to see if there's holes in the wall, if Saul's got them all chained up, and has Saul cut somebody's head off. He didn't know what he's about to see. He goes in and he entered the house and then he finds his courage, man. God have mercy, I want to tell somebody about this. When God tells you to do something, it's not in your power and your ability to do it. It's in, it's in that obedience. It's, it's standing behind the shield of faith, right? We talked a few weeks ago about put on the full armor of God. You put that armor of God on and he tells you to do something. He's in front of you. You don't have to be afraid of that thing. God's, in, God's already taken care of Saul. He's already pulled the, hor the, the, the horns off of that bull. There's no, there's no bite in that dog. And so Ananias steps into it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, you know, there's a lot in a word. Don't miss this. There's a lot in a word. When that man says to him, Brother Saul, you know what happens when you become a follower of Jesus? Do you know what happens when you become a follower of Jesus? Do you know what happens when you become a follower of Jesus? You go from being that man who persecuted Christians to now you're a brother. Now you're a sister. You have acceptance. You have family. You have network. You have support. You have everything that you need to become what God has written into your life. He has written a story on your life. And when you step into it, it's right there. Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. My God, he's going to let this man see again. See, he saw one time before, but what he was seeing was really, really cloudy. What he was seeing was all that he knew. And God has put scales on his eyes so that he can't see that way anymore. And now he's taking the scales off so that he can see a different way. Some of you this morning, you can see things. You can see things, but the way that you see them is only based on what you know. No one has ever told you that there's a God world in front of you. God wants you to see things through his eyes. He may have to put scales on your eyes for a time so that he can pull those scales off and he will let you see the world that he has placed you in, the people that are around you, the good that you can do. Holy. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized and after taking some food, he regained his strength. I want you to pay attention to the sequence of events that happens right there. Notice this sequence of events. He had an encounter with Jesus. Some of you have never had that initial encounter with Jesus. Some of you have been to church. Some of you have, have, have an encounter with religion and somebody says, if you do this, God will be pleased with you. Today is somebody, somebody, I want somebody to say amen and validate this with me. Today is somebody's day to have their first encounter with Jesus. When Jesus shows up in your life and he knocks on the door of your heart and he tells you, I love you so much that I died on the cross to pay for your sins. If you'll follow me, then, then I'll give you a brand new life. And you step into that. Notice the sequence of events. Saul had an encounter with Jesus. Jesus blinded him, knocked him on his butt. And then he spoke to him and Saul said, who are you, Lord? Lord. 
capital L-O-R-D, master, boss, you're the one. Who are you? He began talking with Jesus and he said, get up. And guess what he did? He got up. Sequence of events, had an encounter with Jesus. He began following Jesus. Then he went and got baptized. And then Jesus said, now go do this and I'm going to give you some training. And he went to where he was to go to get his training. You are not done just because you came to church. You are not done just because you accepted Jesus. You are not done just because you got baptized. You are not done just because you got some training. You are not done until God says you're done. Could it be that God wants to bring change into your life? Well, here's what I know. There's some of y'all in here who need to have a major, major surgery. You need to have a major encounter with God. You need to have a major change. What does that look like? It looks like you're running as hard as you can in a direction that's taking you away from God and God has to show up and blind you and knock you on your butt and you get up and you say, wait a minute, wait, wait, wait. I didn't realize, man, I didn't realize how close to the cliff I was. I was about to go. God says, get away from that cliff. And you get back and God changes your heart and you start walking. Some of you need to be pushed away and step back from the cliff and start walking with God. We call that salvation. There's some people here today, my guess is, that need to be saved. And that's okay. If that's where you are, that's where you need to start. But can I tell you something? It's not always about major heart surgery. It's not always about pulling somebody back from the cliff. It's not always about somebody being saved. Here's what I mean. There are others of you here today who have said yes to Jesus and accepted his grace and you will consider yourself a follower of Jesus. And you may not be over there, but you sure ain't over here. And the truth of it is, your back may be turned on him and you're creeping and you're drifting and you're going in the wrong direction. And you may not need to be pulled back from the cliff, but you might need a little tweak. You understand what I'm saying? Somebody might need to get in there and fiddle with the dials a little bit. So, so you may not be in fifth gear yet, right? You might be in neutral, but somebody might need to pop a clutch and throw that thing into first and get going in the right direction. There are some of you who need to pop the clutch today and get going again with God because you're going away from him. You're in reverse, you're in neutral, and it's time to get going with him. Turn the dials, tweak the thing. God wants to bring something big in your life. Well, the question is, could you really step into the story that God has written on your life? I thought about that some this week and it took me back to seventh grade science and the life cycle of a butterfly. Come on, somebody. How many of y'all know you can find a Bible in the butterfly? Can we put that graphic? Yeah, there you go. Now y'all just leave that graphic up just for a minute. You don't even go to those next slides. Let me tell you what I see in this graphic. Four pieces right there. And what I see is four stages. What I see is Saul who becomes Paul. And what I see is you. That egg, that first stage, that egg, that's where things start. Raise your hand if you're a mama, if you've ever given birth to a baby. All right, all right you can put your hands down. If you've given birth to a baby, would you agree with me that when that baby is in the womb, that baby's moving around, right? Oh, put your hand right here. Feel it kick. Can you feel it kick? Oh, that baby's moving. That baby has a whole life inside of that womb. That's all he knows. That's all that baby knows is this is where I live and this is how we do things. And I eat down here, swim around a little bit. Man, get to feeling good. I'll poke mom over here a little bit. Might turn my butt this way a little bit. Let them feel that. That baby's living inside of that thing. That baby thinks this is life. He doesn't know what he's about to become. When Paul was persecuting Christians, that was all he knew. 
He had been taught that this is the way we live. We, we breathe this oxygen. We don't breathe that oxygen. You know, I'm moving, I'm doing things. You can be so busy doing so many things and you've not yet stepped into the thing that God wants you to do. He was inside that egg. Some of you right now are so busy there. Man, if I stopped and talked to you, say, how, how's your last week? Man, it's just so busy. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. What'd you get for the kingdom last week? What'd you do to build God's kingdom? How'd you grow in your righteousness last week? Oh, wait a minute. Yeah, but you spent your whole 168 hours. See, you're still an egg, still an embryo. You ain't, you ain't, you ain't given birth yet to come into the world. And so, so the next stage in the thing is larva, the caterpillar. We know the caterpillar, right? We've all seen them, see them crawling around on the ground out there, man. That caterpillar, come on now, that joker thinks he's doing something. You know why? Because he's not an egg anymore. Man, I used to, you wouldn't believe where I used to be. You wouldn't believe what I used to look like. Now I'm out here, man. I got my caterpillar crawl on, got all my legs going places. We're moving. I'm crawling across the ground. I'm a caterpillar. Boy, I am doing something. That's where Saul was when God had changed him. He's not an egg anymore. He's given birth and now, but now he's blind. Got scales on his eyes. Man, for days, I'm blind. Now, now I know something has changed in me. Not what I used to be, but I haven't figured it out. If you're someone who is a believer, you would call yourself maybe a Christian. And you got stuck after saying yes to Jesus, maybe after being baptized and you never moved another foot. You were at Pleasant Hill Baptist Church in 1985 and you got baptized and you've been living your life for yourself. You've been going to church all these times, but you can't point to anybody that you've led to the Lord, can't point to anybody that you've discipled. Maybe you're a caterpillar and it's not bad to be a caterpillar, but you weren't created to be a caterpillar. Now, now that caterpillar, what does it do? The next stage, it says pupa or chrysalis. That's what we call a cocoon out in the country. I don't know. See them up in the trees, man, the cocoon. What's that all about? That caterpillar thought he was doing something until all of a sudden, one day, that thing wakes up and what the world is going on? I'm stuck up in this thing. What, what's happening? I don't like being here. This is not who I am. And that caterpillar starts feeling around. It's like, wait a minute now. There's something different about me today. What is this? That joker starts, starts pushing those elbows, starts pushing those knees, starts pushing against that thing. Now, you know this to be true. Some little old 12-year-old boy, if he comes along with a pocket knife and finds that cocoon and sees it a little cracked open, starts feeling some kind of sympathetic for that caterpillar, what happens if he, if he, if he cuts that thing open and lets the butterfly out? He ain't going to make it. Why is he not going to make it? Because there needs to be a struggle. What happens when that butterfly struggles against that cocoon? The whole time that he's pushing, man, it's so frustrating. Oh, I can't get this thing. I don't know if I'll ever get this thing. But man, if I know there's something, if I can get out of here, there's something I ain't ever experienced before. Let me get out of this thing. Let me get out of this thing. The whole time he's kicking and pushing and shoving and cussing and screaming, why I can't get out of here. Guess what's happening? He's building stamina. He's building faith. Wait a minute, maybe I can. He's building endurance. He's building strength. And at some point, that thing cracks open and he comes out of there. And all of a sudden, look at me, baby. I got me some wings. I'm going to fly. I am going somewhere. 
butterfly. You know what happened with Saul of Tarsus when he became Paul, the apostle Paul? That joker went from persecuting Christians and mad all the time and angry, upset with everybody. And he found the joy of the Lord and he found the joy of the Lord and God started using him to do things. See, he was always meant to be a butterfly and you were always meant to be some kind of a butterfly. And there's power in you. And there are wings that's built into you. And there's future and there's promise in you. Some of you today are stuck in that, in that cocoon stage and you're cussing and fussing and fighting against that thing that has you all wrapped up. I'm telling you right now, embrace it. Embrace the, the thing that's causing you to fight against it. But don't stay in the cocoon. Look at me. Everybody in the room, let me see your eyeballs. Don't stay stuck in the cocoon. Do whatever you have to do to fight your way out of it because there's big things that need to come from it. There are big things that are coming. If you quit right now because it's hard, if you quit because people are coming against you, if you just give up and quit coming to church and man, they want too much of me and they're asking me to go places, they're asking me to do stuff and I don't feel like it. I want to da-da-da-da-da. Come on, man. This ain't about going to church. This is about being soldiers in the army of God and he's called you to it. Almighty God wants you enlisted and serving in his army. The butterfly, the life cycle of the butterfly. And I'll finish right here. I'll finish right here. It's called the butterfly effect. I don't want to hang up too much on this because I don't know what's true about this and what's not. But there's a, a theory called the chaos theory. And this is where the butterfly effect concept comes from. And, and it's a concept that says that if a butterfly flaps its wings on one side of the planet, a tornado takes place on the other side. A butterfly flaps its wings in Canada and a tsunami takes place in Japan. Now, I don't know about the validity of that, but here's what I do know. There's a man named Saul who was persecuting Christians. God showed up in his life, blinded him, knocked him on his butt, got him up, told him to go to Damascus. A man named Ananias came, put his hands on him, said, brother Saul, and he took him from there and the scales fell from his eyes and he began to see. And Saul got up from that place and Saul was changed. Saul became Paul. He was no longer who he used to be. And Paul was so filled with joy because he found out about this Jesus. And Jesus, the teaching that he learned taught him, you mean I don't have to do all of these laws and I don't have to be such a religious person? You're telling me I just need to love God and love people around me? And the disciples who had spent three years walking with Jesus said, it's really that simple. Love God and love the world around you. And he said, how do we do it? So they spent a few days training and then the Bible says, guess what? It said he spent a few days training and then immediately he began preaching. Can I tell you something? I guarantee you those first few sermons that Paul preached, I guarantee you those things sucked. You know why I say that? He'd never done it before. It was brand new. First time you get up and preach. Go on, get you a handful of that podium right there. Your knees be knocking, holding your thing, sweating and all of this stuff. But the more you do it, the little bit better. You're getting a little bit better. And he... He fell in love with Jesus and he learned how to take the experiences from his past and to get in front of people. So Saul got up out of Damascus and he said, I'm going over here and I'm going to see if I can get this thing rolling. And he goes into a town and he goes where some people are. He said, come, 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 come together. Let me talk to you. Let me tell you about this Jesus. Let me tell you about what he did in my life. And they were like, their eyes were wide open. Why? Because the Holy Spirit inside of him had drawn him to that place and he's flapping those butterfly wings. And those people came to him. Those people started listening to him him. And those people started gathering and Paul said, okay, we're going somewhere now. Now I got four of you. Now I got eight. Now I got 20 of you. Okay, let's do this. Let's, 
you look like you can do this. So let's, let's establish something. Let's put some leaders in place. And let's get somebody to lead this thing. Now, y'all got it? Y'all got it? You can take it from here. I'm teaching you the things that I learned about how to follow Jesus. They're like, yep, we got it. Y'all keep doing your thing. And then Paul goes over here to another city and he starts talking to people and he goes to the synagogue and they start listening and they start hearing about Jesus and they don't want religion anymore. They want a relationship and they want passion and they start coming and they start coming and they start coming. And now this group is gathered. Okay, let's put you over to worship and you're going to take care of those rotten little stinking kids and you be over youth ministry and, and, and you pastor them. Got it? Yep, got it. Now Paul's going to run down and you see what's happening. That's how he became the apostle Paul. And in all of that, guess what he had? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control because the Holy Spirit put it inside of him. The butterfly effect, God put a man on his butt on the road to Damascus. 2000, 2010, 2020, 2023. Compassion Church in Danville, Virginia exists in some part because God put a man on his butt on the road to Damascus. He turned him around and he set his heart on fire and he sent him to be his tool to take the message of the gospel to the Gentiles. 